Coming to you live from the most powerful city in the world. Welcome to the Sideline Junkies. Sponsored by Anchor FM. Take it away, fellas. Second time's a charm. It sounds like we got KG with us. What's going on, KG? What's happening, brother? Not much. I am BJ. Welcome to the Sideline Junkies. Sideline Junkies are possible with Anchor FM. And tonight... We are doing our Redskins perspective. I know I've been absent the last couple of weeks. KG been holding down the fort. Um, what are we talking about today, KG, with the Skins? Well, first off, got to fill you in on last week's episode where I did the offense and who's going to make the 53-man roster. Uh, for offense, uh, where's my offensive paperwork? Here we go. Offense, I got 23 players total for the offense. So we got to come up with the defense this week and special teams. And then, of course, for Redskins nostalgia, uh, second half of the show, we're going to do the 1990 Redskins. Like always, brother, sound like a plan. Now, we both found an article um, from Bleacher Report and um, – just want to give the proper credit because I, I liked it. You liked it. So it's by Ian Cummings. And it's called Riggles Rag from Fan Sided. So he has a 53-man roster projection 3.0. And um, I, I thought it was really good. And uh, if, if that's cool, if you think it's good, we can go with that and we can just pick it apart ourselves and kind of – you know, some of some of it's very obvious, and then some of it's kind of kind of blurry. So, you want to tackle mm-hmm. that? We can, because that way we can go back over the offense, and I can tell you what I had. And compared to what uh, Mr. Cummings have, I think we almost we almost almost spot on. Yeah, I mean, you know, with some things because of you know the salary players made and their performances, you know that they're pretty much going to be the starters coming up this season so but let's roll through it let's roll through the Redskins 2019 offense and let's start with the QBs all right uh he has Dwayne Haskins as a starter Case Keenan the backup Colt McCoy is the third uh last week and I've said this to you several times if Dwayne Haskins is not ready don't put him in the start row don't give him the keys let him get ready he has all of training camp, he had rookie mini camp, mini camp, OTAs, everything to get ready. So if he's not ready by the end of the preseason, don't give him the keys. Um, and I didn't. I, I say Colt McCoy would get cut because I think Colt McCoy needs to move on to coaching with the knowledge that he has. I'm agreeing with you a little bit. We we all know these are the three quarterbacks that's going to make the team. So you're not keeping Josh Woodrum. No. Mm, that's why I kept. No, because I'm I'm going off of realistic and what Jay Gruden's comfortable with. He's comfortable with Colt McCoy. He has to deal with Case Keenum because that's what he bought in. And he has to deal with Dwayne Haskins. That's not his that those two aren't his choices. I think Colt Colt he has a, some say in because oh Colt knows you know you know the spill, KG. Right. He knows the offense. You know, I guess Mark Sanchez knew the offense last year. So but here, here's here's my take on a on a quarterback situation. Now, you know, we watched right here in D.C. one of the best rookie seasons from a QB 
or, or, you know, ever. And that was RG3. You know, you watch in Pittsburgh, Big Ben do his thing rookie season. You know, it's it's not often, but it seems like the kid has the tools and it's special. But I'm with you. I'd rather see it. For me, I think if everybody – I think for me, if Jordan Reed is healthy and 100%, I would feel more comfortable starting Dwayne Haskins than, you know what I'm saying? So he has that blanket uh-huh. because we know what Jordan Reed can do when he's healthy. But if we're talking about Jordan Reed still 80%, 70%, you know, he's going to have some, he's going to have some, um, he's going to have some chemistry with, with McLaurin. But I just think Case Keenum should start the season. That's, that's my feeling. And I told we talked about this several episodes ago before we start doing Redskins perspective on Monday. I thought Case Keenum, he's a good stopgap. You know what your future is. You start Case Keenum. And I think, you know, if the team can play solid, Case can maybe lead you to a wild card. Agreed. But I don't Colt McCoy's not going nowhere. If I see a scenario where they only carry two quarterbacks and cut coat so they can, you know, use that roster space somewhere else. Yeah, but it, it will work out because one of the things that I said last week, uh, as far as O-linemen, you need to carry at least nine total, maybe even ten. Uh, I mean, with the injuries that happen here, yes. So. I mean, that's what I do agree with. Uh, Moving on to running back, that's pretty much cut and dry. You got Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson, Chris Thompson, Bryce Love. Um, Not sure about Bryce Love's health, if he's going to start the season on the pup. But if he starts on the pup, the regular season on the pup, we probably won't see him till week eight. So Samaji Piran. Or Byron Marshall, pretty much probably be Byron Marshall will be that fourth running back. We're not sure about Bryce Love right now, but Samaji P. Ryan was in the doghouse the last few weeks of the season last as year. He sh- as he should be. Yeah, agreed. And I, but he was one of my cuts. Uh, I think we both had him as a cut for a while. Yeah, we had him as a cut last year because we didn't understand why they cut Capri Bibbs and kept him. And Capri Bibbs is the guy you wanted to keep. But it's 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 wild. It really is. But not knowing the status of Bryce Love kind of clouds the running back after Peterson, Thompson, and Guy. So that fourth running back is kind of cloudy because we don't know what, what's going to happen with Bryce Love. But I thought if, I thought Bryce Love was going to be is one of those things where he was he's been he being drafted for his. Being well, drafted been, for you know his 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 talent, and I think they knew he was going to be on the shelf for a while. I think right. So is he? I think maybe he's going to the physically unable to performed, yeah, formless, yeah. And but that's nine weeks at at best, and probably he'll be back then. But Samaji P Ryan will still be the odd man out. Samaji P Ryan, Craig Reynolds, Elijah Wellman, those are the odd men out because you can't. You can't let Chris Thompson go. I don't care what nobody says. Absolutely not. Chris Thompson can't go. 
Because when you talk about security blanket, Haskins needs Chris Thompson because you put the ball in Chris Thompson's hands. Number one, he can block on third down. So can AP. Uh, but Chris Thompson, just like AP, can make big plays on third and long where you can dump it down to him. It's third and 12, 13, 15, 20. He can pick up 25 yards. I mean, I've seen him pick up 75 yards on third and long. I, so you, it's possible. You you know what? I, I compare Chris Thompson to a low-budget Le'Veon Bell. Kind of kind of can do it all. Can, kind of, can he, You can put him out, line him up with a receiver, or he can do it out of the backfield. And he can kill you, yeah. If he's not accounted for, and I, I, I'm with you. I think, of course, you know Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson is gonna get the the bulk, but I think Chris Thompson can still come in and make you know make some noise and do some damage. Right. And speaking of AP, he said uh, week before last, if given the opportunity, he wants to run for two thousand yards again this season coming. <sighs> Now, come I'm, on now. How many people you know come back off a torn ACL and run for 2,000 yards? But, I mean, of course, that's, you want to hear that, but is it realistic with with what they have in the backfield? That would mean he would have to take 80-plus percent of the snaps. True. But also, you know, you got to work guys back in slow. So, you know, working guys back in slow, not you know, kind of not giving him a very big workload to start out, is the ideal thing to do. I think so. I think so. Then moving over to receiving. Now, this is – now, I had almost the same thing. I uh, Terry McLaurin, Josh Dotson, Trey Quinn, Paul Richardson, Kelvin Harmon, and Cam Sims. Let me see. I had six receivers. I don't think Kelvin Harmon was one of my receivers. I think I had Robert Davis. But Trey Quinn who in the slot. Who you say you didn't have? I don't think I had uh, – I didn't have Kelvin Harmon. No, Kelvin Harmon was, is one of the draft picks. Yeah, he's one of the draft picks. I had him. I got to remember who all I had. But I had six receivers too. But Trey Quinn in the slot is where it's at. But Cam Sims is going to be the number one guy. It won't be Josh Dotson. It won't be uh, Terry McLaurin. It's got to be Cam Sims. I mean, this kid, undrafted out of Alabama, six foot five, two hundred fourteen pounds, and hands like glue. Shout out to Keith Slidell for that one there for keeping me uh, updated on him, getting my eye on him. Bro, I I think everybody agrees that if if Josh Dotson doesn't correct his woes this year. This is his probably going to be his last year as a Redskin. Well, they didn't pick up his option. Well, I'm just saying, I, I don't think it's going to be an option for them to for contract negotiations or anything. You know, I I think he would have to perform as a number one receiver for them for him for the for him to get the Redskins' attention, and that's if McLaurin, Trey Quinn, and Cam Sims don't come in there and just. Just bust up joint, mm-hmm. you know. So he he has, you know, he has to work this year, and I think for him, here here's where it gets tricky with your quarterback. I think for Josh Doxson, he's a big play person, and I think the person that is your big play quarterback is Dwayne Haskins, the one that's going to take one. He has the arm; he can make all the throws, and he's a risk taker. 
Remember, ladies and gentlemen, if you listen to the show, I talked about risk taker quarterbacks versus Alex Smith type quarterbacks. It's not it's gonna run run the offense into the ground. It's not gonna take many shots. And when your defense knows this, they can play a certain way versus a quarterback that's gonna come in there and you you know that if it's a it's a spot. If, if it's a couple of inches separation from the receiver, he's going to give them a chance, especially if he gets comfortable with them. He's going to give them a chance to make a play. Agree with that. I wholeheartedly, I, I really do. So, so yeah, that's, I think that's, I think it would benefit Josh Doxson if Dwayne Haskins start, because if case Keenum start, I think you're going to see if Trey Kent, Quinn stays healthy, you're going to see, uh, a 60-plus ball year from him. Mm-hmm. You're going to see if Jordan Reed stay healthy, you're going to see 60-plus balls that way. And, you know, you're going to get the occasional, you know, going out, especially with McLaurin and his wheels. You know, you got to test that out from time to time. So. Just to keep the defense on their toes. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, at tight end, Ian Cummins got four tight ends. I only had three last week. I had uh, Jordan Reed, Vernon Davis, and Jeremy Sprinkle. Um, he has those three, and I also add Donald Parham, who was signed uh, right around the time uh, rookie minicamp started. And now Parham is, uh, I believe, six foot five, two hundred and fifty, forty, fifty pounds, pretty fast. But he went to college at Stetson, which is a small school. But he had eighty-five receptions for one thousand three hundred nineteen yards and thirteen touchdowns. Let me tell you what this is right here. This is an insurance policy. If Jordan Reed can start the season healthy, both him, Vernon Davis, and Jeremy Sprinkle, Don, Donald Parham is not going to make this team. You're going to see that probably go to an offensive lineman. If Jordan Reed is – if there's any question about his health and him not being ready week one, Donald Parham makes the team. Yeah. But I, I think you'll see him get cut but signed to the practice squad because you can't – I mean, I don't care what you say. He played college ball to get him looked at by NFL team. And 85 receptions, I don't care what school he at, he still got to catch a ball and play against people. He not playing seven-man games. So that's just the way I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, And now <laughs> he's got uh, – Ian Cummins has nine offensive linemen. I got nine offensive linemen, but this is where we differ. Uh, of course, starting left tackle, you got the silverback Trent Williams. That right guard spot is where I had uh, – who did I have in the right guard? I think Did I have Wes Martin in the right guard? Either way, he got West, West Martin. I think I had Tony Bergstrom right guard. I mean, yeah, left guard. I had Tony Bergstrom left guard. You got Chase Rulier as a pivot, Brandon Sheriff left guard – I mean, right guard, Morgan Moses right tackle. Uh, he also has Eric Flowers. Tony Bergstrom, Garen Christian, and Rosh, I'm going to get it right, Pierce Scrybacker. So I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Pierce Scrybacker. I mean. But I, I don't have Eric Flowers making this thing. Yeah, I, I don't either. Because if you listen to all the reports coming out of camp, everything about Eric Flowers, he's getting toasted. He was getting toasted. And, and it's just nothing new. This has been his whole career. He's been getting toasted. He's been getting ran over. He's a revolving door at wh- whichever position he plays on the line. So I just don't – it's so many more offensive linemen out there. 
it, I just but don't understand why Eric Flowers is still on the team. They have the depth on the team as we speak. Now, this is the offensive lineman they have in camp. You have Tony Bergstrom, Tyler Catalina. I think that was the other guard that I had instead of Eric Flowers. It was Tyler Catalina. Um, you have Casey Dunn, Gerald Foster, Blake Hance, Zach Kieran, Wes Martin, who's a rookie, um, Morgan Moses, Tamon Paris, Ross Pierce Scrybacker, Chase Roulier, Brandon Sheriff, Brian Wallace, and a silverback Trent Williams. But with all that talent that you have there, Tony Bergstrom, he showed he could play last year. So did Tyler Catalina. I'm bringing those guys back. Geron Christian showed he could be a swing tackle. He's lost weight and got even faster after having an injury last year. So, of course, I'm bringing him back. And then you got the five stars. It's all about plugging in somebody in that right guard spot. And I thought, and I said it to you, when they signed Eric Flowers, that he was going to be that guy, kind of like the Brandon Sheriff move, where you move him to the inside, and he goes on to be an all-pro. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen with Eric Flowers. Yeah, bro, Eric Flowers, you know, I watched him with the Giants. Um, I think he, his next team was uh, Jacksonville, I believe. Uh, I think it was let Jacksonville. Me find out. Um, it, and it's just – Yeah, you're right. I, it's just lack of talent. It's, it's – and I'm reading an article saying, you know, of course, Eric Flowers may not be a lock and maybe Bill Callahan want more time with him. How much time, more time in film do you need to know this boy is a bad offensive lineman in the NFL? It, it's not that bad. I mean, it's bodies everywhere. You can go get a veteran that can do way better than what Eric Flowers can, can do. Yeah. You know, or, or one of these young boys that's hungry, you know, all those names you just reeled off. And 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 roll with them. I'd rather roll with them than to see Eric Flowers get a spot on this team and and get did Dwayne Haskins or Case Keenum killed because that's what's going to happen. Indeed. That, that's what's, that's what's going to happen. Now, can you believe it? Eric Flowers was a first round pick in 2015, the ninth pick in the draft. Yes, sir. So that means six foot six, three thirty four. So that means that's one of them things where the Giants just went off of measurables. He had uh-huh. he, he he weighs this. He's this tall. And by our numbers and analytics, I'm going to get that word right, trust me, that he should be able to play this in this league, and he's just garbage. 37 times on the bench press in uh, the NFL combine. Killed the numbers. He ran a f- yeah. And, I mean, looking at his measurements from the combine, I mean, you would think he was uh, a lot – he was a little bit – Five pounds lighter. He was three twenty nine when he weighed in six six foot six and one quarter. Arm length thirty four and a half inches. Hand size nine and seven eighth inches. That's a big hand. Forty yard dash time. You don't expect this offensive line, but five point three. Ten yard split one point seven. Twenty yard split three point three. <laughs> and vertical jump twenty seven inches. Broad jump eight feet five inches. I mean, his numbers are great. Terrific. But he has he doesn't have the footwork to be the tackle that you need in the NFL. That's what it is. Because somebody like uh geez, uh Lawrence from from Dallas, he comes off the corner by the time Flowers gets out of his stance, it's over. DeMarcus Lawrence is already around the corner. And see, you got somebody like Von Miller. 
And we've seen it plenty of times in New York where Eli is on a five-step drop, and the second step, he's getting he's already got somebody in his face from Eric right. Flowers' side. And I think, you know, everything you said, you know, of course the numbers measure up, but, you know, I just, I just don't know what it is. I don't know if it's heart, will to play because at some point, you have to not want another grown man to to embarrass you on the field. At, at some you point, know what, you know what I suggest, and don't laugh, but to be quite honest, he may not have the flexibility that he needs. He needs to take yoga. But but here's the thing, KG, and we talk about it with the quarterbacks all the time. How many chances are you gonna get? You a first round pick. You shouldn't have to go through all this just to get. Yeah just to be an average NFL lineman. Right now, he's not even an average NFL lineman. No, you know, he's, he's well below average. Yeah, and he, he's just a warm body right now. And, and I just, mm-hmm. it, I, when they signed him, it just it was a head scratcher. So, I just don't see him making the team. Now, this is just a thought. You know how I felt about it. I didn't understand it at first. I said maybe they'll move him to the inside after thinking about it. But on top of yoga, he needs to take a good Dad, like a, a true, I'm, I'm dead serious here. So anybody listening, don't laugh. But if he takes a good ballet class to help him with balance and his footwork, but a yoga class to not make him so tight, because a lot of times he looks like he's very, very tight. And that's not good. You can't be tight playing tackle because you got to be ready. Bro, you going to put all that into Eric Flowers or you just going to go get somebody that's already C plus no, with just- A plus potential. Look, no, nah, I'm, I'm saying that's what he needs to go do. I didn't say I was playing for as a team. I said that's what he needs to go do. You want to make it in this league, man. You you get you gotta take care of your this, body. That's one thing, but you also have to work on your craft. Sit down and watch tape of yourself. Damn, I got beat. Why did I get beat? Oh, you know what? I didn't get my feet far enough apart to get in my stance and be ready to block. That's where I'm messing up at. Yeah, yeah. you have to self aware. I know when we go out and the sideline junkies get together, we go to the gym. I know if I have a bad game, I can tell you exactly why I had a bad game without even looking at it. I didn't stretch before the game. I didn't breathe correctly, so I'm out. Of, I'm gassed out. I rushed my shot. I didn't follow through. It's always something. Especially at this age with the, the, the amount of games of basketball we've been playing since we were kids, you know, you know when your shot, your form is bad. You know, you whether mm-hmm. you released it bad or, you know, if you're especially at this age, you know, after you know a couple of minutes, you're shooting wrong because your arm hurts, right? You know, so you're doing you're straining something, you're not doing something in its natural motion. So I just, I think somebody in the Giants organization dropped the ball on Eric Flowers, didn't do their homework, you know, probably didn't watch any tape because you're not gonna tell me that the tape of him in college is all clean. It cannot be. Not with what I see cannot be. not with what I see in the NFL. And that's somebody being stubborn saying we can fix him. Or yeah. he can work in our he can work in my system. You know, that's the you know the the uh tally wanker measuring contest. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's jump on the other side of the bowl. Uh now, this is the first time I'm, I'm breaking down the defense, so we're going to start with the D-line. Now, Ian Cummins has it as 
this is a no brainer. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ionitis as your starters. Locked in. Uh yeah, that's got that's gotta be that. Um Tim Settle, Caleb Brantley as your backups. I see nothing wrong there. Nothing at all. Uh yeah, I see nothing wrong there. Twenty so and a half sacks from the unit he's saying coming back in two thousand nineteen. So it's not bad. That's not bad. Not at all. I was reading something that um I wish I had it. I thought I'd say that, that uh, Kirkin was the most efficient at his position. I'm thinking, ah, uh, now I got to find it. I got to find it. Let me see if I can find it. And then um, I hate when I have stuff up and it just disappears. <laughs> it always disappears. Um, of course, you know, Matt and I and I just got the new contract this year. And a lot of people didn't like it. I had to tell people, you know, hey, go back and look at certain games. Look at the Cowboy game, how he manhandled Ezekiel Elliott, how he manhandled their offensive line. But just, you know, sometimes and he was playing out of position. They had him at the nose, and he's an end. But he was a nose that could push the pocket just enough to collapse it to get the quarterback, okay, I got I to gotta get out of here. And the next thing you know, Here's Ryan Kerrigan coming. Here's uh, Anderson coming. Whether it be Jonathan or all Ryan, it didn't matter. But you got guys coming because he's doing his thing up front. He's taking away that uh, that step up. When the pocket starts to collapse from the sides, you know, first instinct, step up into the pocket, step into your throw and deliver. But he's taking that away because he was collapsing the cup of the pocket. So I found- anybody that didn't like that. I found what I was looking for. Pro football focus. According to that, Kerrigan tackling grade in 2018 was the best among edge rushers with at least 200 snaps. So, one of the best in the league. Exactly. One of my favorites. Yeah, all the way around one of the best in the league. I think he's, um, as far as NFL-wide, I think he's a little underappreciated, under-talked about. You know, I I think he definitely deserves kind of the same prayer. I mean, but that winning solves all of that. So, you know, I think he's up there with the, the top pass rushers in the league. I don't think I know. I know yeah, he I, is. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. No doubt in my mind, I agree. Um, Looking at edge rushes, of course, the aforementioned Ryan Kerrigan and Montez Sweat locks for the uh for the two edge rushes. Uh, Jordan Brailford and Ryan Anderson will back them up. Uh, I would think Marquise Flowers, but I'm not sure how they're going to use him. Uh, moving to the inside, which is pretty much a the weak spot. CF, yeah, but I, I like to call it a CF. And if you know what that is, <laughs> the cluster, you know what. But uh, they got uh, he has Sean Dion Hamilton starting and Mason Foster. I don't agree with that. Uh, Sean Dion Hamilton, young guy. Pretty daggone good, lots of heart. But I'm starting John Bostic and Mason Foster because I think John Bostic is more of a sideline to sideline guy, but he can step up into the hole and make tackles. Of course, you know what Mason Foster can do. And Mason Foster is just pretty much here, just like, I'm going to do my job and I'm not going to make any noise. After that little fiasco last year where, you know, it was a lot of talk about him wanting out. He was like, I'm playing my contract out, but I'm going to do – my job to the best of my ability and do whatever I have to do to make this team win. Yeah. That's all you ask for. Yeah. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. I think, I think 
we talked about this before. I think that is definitely the the weak point of the team. But I think with Kerrigan and if Sweat produces the way everybody thinks he's going to produce, along with the front three of Allen, Payne, and Ioannidis, I think that not only can you hide that unit a little bit, but I think they can be more productive because it's not it, it's not going to be a lot of people. You can't just double team Kerrigan. Uh-huh. You're going to have to pay attention to Sweat if he if he is you know be going going to become a an elite rusher if he, you know, turns out to be what everybody hopes he's going to be, you know, and then you got the three up front. So it's really no place you can, you know, concentrate on without getting burnt on one side or the other. So that should open up a little bit and put, take some of the pressure off that middle linebacker unit also. And with the secondary, and I know we get into that. The secondary also plays a big part in, you know, how well guys are covered, you get covered sacks, you know, mm-hmm. you get mistakes made. If you, you know, if you got the right defensive coordinator and they're disguising coverages to look like this and but it's that and you throw right into an interception. So it's it's a lot that can go on with this defense. You know, they added some pieces, so they gotta go on the field and prove their worth. That's true. That is absolute truth. One guy on the, in, in that linebacking court, and I'm pulling all I'm pulling for. Uh, oh, before I go on to them, uh, the other inside linebackers. I don't know John Bosick, Josh Harvey Clemens, and Cole Holcomb, who's uh, one of the draft picks. But another guy that I'm pulling for on that outside is Casanova McKenzie. I just want to see him come from the outside, get a sack, so I can sing, "Oh, Casanova." That's only, just, I, I mean, uh-huh. would that's you it. would that's you it. prefer when he gets the sack that they already have? the platform and the microphone ready and they can roll you into the end zone and do it. That's it. I'd be good with that. <laughs> I would, I, man, I would, I would sing Levert. I would sing it like my heart depended on it, man. My life depended on it. I would do it. Oh man. I swear I would. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the secondary, man. Now this is, uh, this is another iffy spot, but uh, Ian Cummins has it six corners. Quentin Dunbar, Josh Norman, Fabian Moreau are your top three. Uh, Greg Stroman, Jimmy Moreland, and Dominique Rogers Cromartie round out the corners. Now, he has Quentin Dunbar and Josh Norman starting with Fabian Moreau as your slot corner, as your nickel corner, pretty much. But I think I would have Dominique Rogers Cromartie as my nickel, and uh, Jimmy Moreland might be my dime slash nickel. He's been making a lot of noise in camp. He's been making a lot of noise. And and people are talking about how good his ball hawking skills are. So I'm hoping that 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 trend continues right into the season. He can make a name for himself um, because, you know, time is ticking on Josh Norman. Everybody, you know, he hasn't performed up to, you know, his contract. And he hasn't. You know, it's a lot of factors that go into that. But I think, you know, like we always say, you have to draft the next man up anyway. So when it's time to make the decision on them, what is it, next season? Yeah, I believe it is. Next season, you, if Jimmy Moreland's playing lights out, it's easier to cut ties with Josh Moreland. So. And Jimmy Moreland is a semi-local. Uh, he went to James Madison down in Virginia. Even at James Madison, he was considered a ball hawk. He had 
18 total interceptions, returning five of them for touchdowns. Both of them school records. Now, he was only a seventh-round pick this year. Seventh round. Hey, man. You know, the small schools get a little bit more credit than what they used to, but, yeah, that that sounds like a ball hawk to me. Yes, indeed. Uh, Quentin Dunbar being your number two, I have no issue with that. Uh, I thought Danny Johnson would get more of a look at uh, corner, but obviously he has him not making the team. Well, so you still got some, you know. Is this this, ladies and gentlemen? This is this is only July. Yeah, you know, we still got. We ain't started camp yet. You still got camp. You still got preseason. So it's a lot. A lot of these guys that you know we're saying that you know, except Eric Flowers, I I, I don't. He's not gonna make the team. But everybody else, you know, they they can still make a name for themselves and play lights out ball and show what they got. True indeed. Uh, looking at the safeties, uh, he has it Landon Collins and Monte Nicholson as your starter. I don't agree with that because Landon Collins is going to play the strong. I'd have Troy Apke as my free because, number one, of the speed. And he's gotten a little bit better at tackling. So I would have Troy Apke as my my uh my free safety starting over Monte Nicholson. You uh, think the that, other safety. Do you think it's going to be Monte Nicholson because of the, you know, the comfort level with Monte Nicholson? Yeah, I think that's it's more of a comfort thing because they didn't really get to see a lot of Troy Apke last year, and when he was drafted, uh, my if I had my book man, I think that was one of the ones that I circled and was like, yeah, that's a good draft pick because he could cover line as a safety you know he could move but he didn't have very many tackles and everybody's like well he didn't have uh but 36 tackles his senior year he's a safety I wouldn't when you got a front seven of Penn State your safeties all they got to do is show up they don't have to make tackles what are you talking about but he okay do you still there with me yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Okay, I'm here. I thought I'm I lost here. you for a second. Okay. I, I don't know. But, no, I was saying that, you know, he had 10 interceptions his junior year, so 11 interceptions total for a college career. Get a guy a chance. Troy Afty is, is your man. Hey, what did what, what I just finish saying? Still a lot of football and a lot of jockeying for positions to be made. So you might – you, you might. I, I hope it's just not set in stone – you know, I know this is early. It's just, it's just July, but you know, I just hope this team doesn't give. You know, just hey, because you make this amount of money, you're going to start. You know, right? And you, you start the guys that's going to get, get put on, put everything on the field, make plays, and help you win games. That's who I need. And then we'll deal with the guys that make a whole bunch of money that's not doing anything later. So, but secondary wise. It's a toss-up, but you got to go with the talent. And I think uh, Fabian Moreau is a talent. Of course, we know about Jimmy Jimmy Moreland, Monte Nicholson. Josh Norman really has to step up. We already know about DRC, Greg Stroman. I think it's, it should be a lot of depth in the defensive backs, period. And versatile defensive backs that can play safety and yes, corner sir. are also yes, great. Sir. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if – 
you may see DRC floating around in free safety if they if they mm-hmm. have trouble at that position. And uh, another reason why I like the DRC signing is because he is a vet. You know, he has made his way around the league. He's been, you know, a good corner, and he can, you know, help school the youngins. You know, for hey, this is what you do. This is how you do it. You know, I think he's, you know, definitely ready to take that role and, you know, lend out that, you know, burning somebody ear up and teaching them. You know something funny? They make it seem like he is 39, 38 years old. He's only 33. And most corners, when they get to that age, they move to safety. Mm-hmm. That's what D'Angelo Hall did. Uh, later in Rob Woodson's career, he moved yes, to safety. Did. And he was a Hall of Fame at corner. <laughs> and when he moved to safety, all that did was extend his That's career right. another yes, 10 sir. years. Yes, sir. He, you could you could make an argument that he was a Hall of Fame at both positions. You know, yeah. He, I mean, he, he was lights out as a corner, but he moved to safety. It was just like. It's just like, who is this guy? Why do why are you so good here too? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know who else is like that? Carnell Lake. Yeah, Carnell Lake. Yeah. Carnell Lake played a little bit of corner and then he moved to safety. Aeneas Williams. And Aeneas yep. Williams. Yeah, I mean it's 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 if when you're talking about guys like this, and I know we're missing a couple of names, but it's just they, they just have a knack for the game. And they, they know where mm-hmm. the ball's going and they 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 have more leeway at free safety. You know that you say is is not chasing somebody and trying to stay with somebody and guess their route. Now you sitting back there and you can kind of look spy the quarterback and cheat a little bit. And those guys excel at it, man. I'm gonna tell you another Hall of Fame before we move on. Darren Woodson. Darren Woodson, yes, sir. And, you know, I'm a diehard Redskin fan, but I got to give respect where respect is due. He went from corner to safety. And when he went, it, it, that's what I think him moving from corner to safety put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Hey, just my opinion. Just because we, we Redskins perspective, we give due where credit is due. And if you a baller, you a baller, whether you wear a star or not. So Now, if this is Cowboy Week, I ain't got nothing to say to you. Talk to me after. <laughs> oh, now, <yeah. laughs> moving on to special teams. I mean, this is a lock. He has it. Uh, of course, Dustin Hopkins, Tressway. Tressway, best punter in the game right now. Dustin Hopkins, one of the best kickers. But he has Andrew East as the long snapper. I, I'm, I'm shocked at that because I got Nick Sunberg as my long snapper. So I'm shocked that he his, has Andrew. His, his reason behind that is because Sunberg is older, and it, you know you could get a cheaper, you know you could save a little bit of money going cheaper, and you know, and, and do it that way. I I kind of understand that. Nah, you know what, Nick Sunberg. You know who he replaced as a long snapper for the Redskins. Who? He replaced the red snapper, Ethan Albright, one of the best long snappers since Dan Turk, probably. <laughs> and I'm come on now, Ethan Albright made the Pro Bowl damn near every year as a long snapper. Yeah. So I mean, and that guy, geez, it, it, it's wild because you're looking like I when when we signed Sunberg, I was like, I don't want this guy. We got the red snapper. What do I need him for? <laughs> but uh, it happened, and next thing you know, he how many 
times has Nick Sunberg screwed up a snap that cost us a game or cost us points? It doesn't happen too often. He's been with the team since 2010. It doesn't happen. Hey, man, and that's that's it's 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 a it's a chess game when you're playing that game. It's dangerous because we both know the way this team wants to play, probably, which is you know running the ball and defense. Special team mistakes can cost you the game. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in a close game when you're playing a chess match and you know field position is key. Or you know, punt, 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 and you know, all of a sudden you go to punt or you go to do have a field goal and it gets messed up. And it's just like now the tables have turned. So it, I think, like I said, it's only July. You know, the the Andrew East could come out there and make some mistakes and bad look. We just gonna have to go <laughs> with with some bird, <laughs> just pay him his money. And it, it be like that sometimes. Like, oh man, we could save you know a million and a half when we go with the younger kid, and he go out there and toss one in the stands, and it's just like, yeah, yeah. okay, this would be your last game, son. Pretty much. So that's our looks on the defense and. For the most part, I think Ian Cummins knocked it out of the park and got, I, I dare I say it, 98.9% of it right. It was only maybe two or three points that we didn't agree with, but I didn't agree with. Hopefully, I uh, am watches uh, Rick and Morty, and he'll understand where this is coming from. I'm kind of a stickler. I'm going to give him 80%. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of a stickler. I'll give you eighty <laughs> percent. Nah, but it's it's definitely a hell of a job. Um, you know, some of, some of the positions, some of the players, we already know kind of locked. And then it's it's a guessing game from here. You know, like I said, we have a whole bunch of you know camp and preseason football left, and um, we will sideline junkies will be trying to make a Saturday uh, camp. We they, that that's on the agenda this year. We will be there. And um, have some fun. Hopefully, meet some people, and uh, you know, let them know what the sideline junkie is about. You know, exactly. So. Now, you know what? We normally take a break here. Ain't no need to take a no break. We're going all gas, no breaks. So we're gonna jump right into Redskins nostalgia. Nineteen ninety Washington Redskins, third in the NFC East, uh, ten and six record, playoff year. Uh, only scored a total of 381 points that year, but it was fourth out of 28, 23.8 points a game. They gave up 301, 18.8 a game, eight points a game, uh, 13th overall. They were expected to go 10 and six, did it. Uh, this is a year before a Super Bowl win in 91, three years after the 87 championship. And- in this ninety season, then they only lose one game at home. Uh, let me make sure I got that right. Uh, I want to say at say one one game yeah. at home. That was to the Giants, twenty four to twenty on October fourteenth. Hey, hey, man, that's how you take care of home field. You take care of home. You know things are gonna happen on the road. You're going in a hostile environment. You know, especially back in then, what the NFC East was. You know, mm-hmm. and you take care of home, and that's all you can ask for. You know, but but look at where the Redskins played at that time. Good old RFK. Yes, indeed. Fifty-four thousand rabbit fans, and the stadium shook. The neighborhood around the stadium shook. Everything. <laughs> Mark Rippon was your quarterback that year. 
Uh, he started 10 games, only threw for 2,070 yards, 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Uh, Ernest Biner was your starting running back. He had Gary Clark, Art Monk, and Ricky Sanders. The posse. Don Warren was your starting tight end. Your offensive line, the Hogs, which they still were called because you had Jim Lachey, baby. who was a pro bowler that year. Uh, Russ Grimm, Jeff Bostic, Raleigh McKenzie, and Ed Simmons. On the defensive side, Charles Mann, Eric Williams, Daryl Grant, Marcus Koch. Uh, linebackers were Andre Collins, Wilbur Marshall, current defensive coordinator of the Redskins, Greg Minuski was your middle I linebacker. When, when Madden was out, and I think that was the first, it was either the first or the second Madden. It might have been the Super Bowl year Madden for the Redskins. I remember Wilbur Marshall, as soon as you hiked the ball, he would already be coming around the tackle. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, goodness gracious, man. That boy. Mm-mm-mm. You had Martin Mayhew and Daryl Green as your corners. Daryl Green is a uh, pro bowler. Alvin Walton and Todd Bowles, his two safeties. Chip Low Miller, Ralph Moshianko, Walter Stanley, and Joe Johnson were your special teams. But looking at this whole entire roster, the names that stand out, of course, you got Redskin Legends, Monty Coleman, uh, Brad Edwards, who always go down as a legend here because, you know, he won a mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Uh, Kurt Govea was on this team. Stan Humphreys was your backup quarterback. Uh, you had Joe Jacoby. Uh, let me see. I'm going Darryl down the list Green, here. You had Gary Clark and Art Monk, Ricky Sanders. It's just names that when you when you mention these names in D.C., you can sit down and talk with somebody for hours. Yeah. You know? And you had a rookie who was a fifth-round pick, a quarterback. But they turned him into a running back. One Mr. Brian Mitchell. <laughs> and Joe Gibbs said about Brian Mitchell, he said he wanted to use him so much, but he was so scared of burning him out. That's why he only put him on kick and punt return, because he was so scared that he was going to overuse him. I think somebody like B. Mitch and his work ethic, it been pretty hard to burn him out. I understand what, where, yeah. where Coach Joe coming from, but when you had somebody that works hard as B. Mitch that had to fight and prove and scratch and claw, nah, it ain't never going to be a workload. You're talking about he had the NFL the highest level from, you know, if you listen to, you know, where he came from and what he had to endure growing up. Yeah, that's – yeah, get, he would have probably – give it, give me two, two doses. Give me two spoonfuls. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Now, this season also had one of the most infamous games – in Redskin history, it was one that was known as the Body Bag Game. <laughs> November 12th, 1990, at Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the Redskins had three quarterbacks taken out of this game. Two were knocked out from injury. One was pulled for ineffectiveness. Brian Mitchell wound up finishing the game at quarterback. Uh, What was it? Nine players were either carried or carted off the field that day. And the Eagles players taunted us. Said, man, y'all losing so many players. Y'all need body, some more body bags? Hence the name the body bag game. Yes, sir. 
But Charles Mann said it. He said we took it. We took our loss, and we stored it away. They lost the game 28-14. He said, but we knew when it came down to it, if anybody was going to come out of the NFC East, it wasn't going to be the Eagles. If anybody came out of the NFC, it wasn't going to be the Eagles. Mark Rippon said the Eagles can talk everything they, they, they want, but they never beat us for nothing. Wild card January 5th, 1991 at Veterans Stadium once again. The Redskins smashed the Eagles 20-6. to Got their revenge for the body bag game and moved on to the divisional playoff against the San Francisco 49ers at Candlestick. But I think Mark Rippon had three interceptions that game, so that pretty much sealed it. And 28-10 loss, and pretty much that was the 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 – the body bag game was the birth of the 91 Redskins, how they just came out and just destroyed yes, everybody. Sir. And it was just after you go through something like that, little small things, it's just like, nah, uh-uh. that's not enough to stop. After what we went through, it's not enough to stop. You get out of our way. I love that attitude when a team takes that attitude. Get out of our way. We're going to run this, and we don't care if you know you're going to stop it. But the thing is, you knew for a fact the Redskins, when they were going to run the ball, you knew counter trade was coming. All you had to do was guess which side. But when you guessed it and you had Terry Orr or Don Warren coming across, you had to figure out, okay, who am I going to take out to try to stop it? But then you had talented running backs in uh, 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 Ernest Biner, Gerald Riggs. Later on, you had Ricky Irvins. You had guys that could get through the holes and dip and dodge through. And next thing you know, that's a seven-yard yes, game. Yes, sir. I mean, it's all about stopping it. And counter trade was one thing that they couldn't stop. Bro, when you have uh, the right horses and people that practice and take take what they do seriously, just like up in New England, you know Gronkowski is getting the ball and you just still can't stop it. You know? You know Randy Moss is getting the ball down, and you he's still 10 feet ahead, 10 yards ahead of the receiver. And you knew he was getting the ball, and you still couldn't do anything. It's just it's just certain things with good coaching and the right players, you can't do nothing. The coaching staff, you had uh, Emmett Thomas. And mo- most people don't know who Emmett Thomas is, but Emmett Thomas is a legend himself he was a Kansas City Chief as a player and he won a Super Bowl with Kansas City and then became one of the best assistant coaches the league has ever seen Rod Dalhauer uh was a quarterback's coach then he became one of the best executives <laughs> this game has ever seen defensive coordinators were future head coach Richie Pettibone and Larry Pecatello so I mean, one thing about Joe Gibbs and his coaching staff, th- those guys stayed together always, but they always called them one of the brightest, the largest and brightest staffs ever put together. Yeah, I agree with that. So, I mean, that's the 1990 Skins playoff year. Uh, we need to go back up to Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Instead, I understand they got to deal with, with Richmond, and everything, but it's nothing like the Redskins practicing in Carlisle and 
every year you always got that scrimmage between the Redskins and the Steelers. Every year. And it seems like if we get back to the old way of doing things and getting back into that groove again, maybe just maybe the winning ways to start coming in back. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel where you're coming from. I just feel like, you know, the way the players are now and how diva-ish some of them are, I, I just don't think the Carlisle thing will go over well. You have some grumbling, and this is a player, definitely a player's league now where, you know, as soon as somebody starts complaining, you know, they're going to have practice at FedEx. <laughs> right. Or they're going to do a walkthrough in a hotel so they don't have to leave the hotel. So this generation of players definitely aren't the 90 players we're talking about. And, you know, something, uh, <laughs> I'll never understand it. You got the greatest opportunity in the world. If you're telling me, and the thing is, when you go through training camp, training camp is supposed to be the most back-breaking, grueling time in the season. It's supposed to make you hate the game that you got to work so hard. But when you come out on the other side, you you clean. You're ready for action. You're exactly. ready for that live ammo because we went through it. And, and, and we, we've talked about this. You know, we've been running this podcast for, what, almost two years now? And we, we've talked about, you know, you can it, – it, it's, it's unfortunate with this Jay Gruden team, how they come out the gate, and they just don't seem ready and prepared to play. And they don't get that groove until, like, the second, third, fourth game where they start maybe coming together and the little things start working. And for me, that tells me that training camp isn't isn't hard enough. Training camp – they're not doing the things they need to do in training camp because you should come out the gate ready to go firing all cylinders. I understand, you know, you know, week one, week two, you know, it's going to be some, some dead spots just because it's live action. Everybody nervous. It's week one kickoff. But for the most part, you know, everybody should be on the same page and ready to be a weld oil machine. That's absolute truth right there. I mean, it's cliche, but when you have a unit that needs, especially your offensive line, receivers and quarterbacks should always, the receivers, quarterbacks, and O-line should always be together. The offense should be together. The defense, the secondary, and, and, and the defensive line and the linebacker should always be together because when we go into a game, if you're playing the line B and I see you make a move, I've watched you, I've talked to you, and I know when you make this certain move, I know what's coming. I don't have to think twice about it. I know where I need to be. As an offensive yes, lineman, I'm old school. You know, I always believed in, and a lot of people think it's, oh, wait, ain't nobody doing that. But if you remember uh, the offensive line of Houston, New Orleans, when those guys broke the huddle, they came to the line. These big 300-pound guys held hands until they got to the line. And everybody was in sync. Yep. Nobody does that anymore. It's like, okay, yeah, he's a star offensive lineman. But if you can't unite this whole unit and become a unit, what success can you have? I agree with you 100%, brother. I could go on and on, man. Your quarterback should be your little brother. If anybody touches your quarterback, you should be pissed. Well, hopefully. They get that that way back about them, that that step about them, you know. 
we got a lot more, you know, Mondays coming up. We're going to talk more skins action, see what's going on in training camp, follow them. We, we'll be here all season. And um, we we are at – we're going to wrap it up because we're not going to hold you too long because we can talk for another hour. We Actually, we can talk for another couple hours if you let us. So yeah. we're going to wrap it up. Thank you to Ian Cummings, fan-sided. Um, for that, for, for, you know, we get, we use his article. So we want to definitely give him his props, Riggles rag, definitely give him his props. We'll tag him just to, you know, show, show our respect. It definitely was a, uh, was a good, um, a good 53 man roster project projection for the skin. So. Yes, indeed. Uh, and the way he put that roster together, I say 10 wins. I, yeah, I I can see it, but everything has to click. Everything has to be every, right. Jordan Reed can't be hurt. He you, you need you need yep. him to play. So we'll we'll see what happens, and it depends on who's starting at QB. So we'll have to see about that. But for the Redskins' perspective, by the sideline junkies and the sideline junkies is possible by Anchor FM. But I give them a shout out, tag them also. We thank y'all for listening, letting us be a part of your Monday, or whenever you listen to it. It's Monday for us. Whenever you listen to it, this is BJ, my man KG, and we are signing off. Out. This has been another Sideline Junkies production, sponsored by Anchor FM. For any questions, comments, or even if you have a show ID, you can always email the fellas, sidelinejunkies247 at gmail.com. Junkies out.